Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom. Episode 67 here on the podcast, and today we welcome in former Purdue player Chris Kramer joins us. And uh, Chris, uh, are we talking, as we tape this, are you back home in uh, in Indiana? Yeah, back home in Fort Wayne. Been back here for about two months or so. Okay, well we'll get into some of the... Uh, Unusual circumstances. We'll touch on a little bit because as we record this, we're in the middle of the uh, of the COVID situation. Um, but uh, before we get into all that, I wanted to uh, first thank you for taking time here, and then wanted to go back as we do with a lot of, especially of our former players. I wanted to kind of go back to um, your childhood and uh, um, talk about your upbringing. Now, were you? Did you grow up the, your entire childhood in Huntington? Yeah, the whole time was in Huntington. Okay, so so talk to me about uh, about growing up in Huntington, Indiana, and what that was like. You know, it was just a small Indiana town. Um, you know, I just uh, grew up going to uh, you know my dad's um, men's league games and uh, just you know traveling around with him as he would go and play. Um, basketball and that's really where my um, love of basketball began Um, and you know I just got into other sports as well just being a young kid and not having much to do in a small town and um, you know got into baseball and football as well and um, you know that was about all there was to do as a young kid (laughs) in good old Huntington Indiana yeah now I I knew um, did your dad play any other sports other than basketball, or is that the sport you remember the most, or was he in any any other sports as well? Um, it was just it was just basketball. Okay. Um, you know he would play. You know he's a big guy, so um, you know he was pretty good. Um, but you know that's that's the only thing he did, and I mean, you no, know, after he could no longer you know, play the way he wanted to. He got into refereeing just to kind of stay a part of the game. And um, so I guess that was a good transition for him. Yeah, that's cool. Good way to stay around the game. So do you was basketball the first sport you picked up as a kid, or did you gravitate towards that later, or is that definitely the first one and then you branched out into the others? No, basketball was definitely the first one. You know, I mean, like I said, I would always go to his games. Yeah. And, um, you know, as like a – you know, three-year-old kid out there trying to shoot the ball, uh, you know, to the basket, not even getting it there, and, you know, just dribbling around, um, you know, during halftimes and timeouts and all that stuff between games, and that's just kind of where it all began. Um, and then as I got older, being able to do more things and um, really being able to put the time in just, you know, in the basket that we had at our house just shooting and because um, basketball is a great game. You can get better by yourself. and um, You know, so that just put a lot of time in, and that's really where that love happened, and all those other sports just kind of came, you know, later on. Uh, do you remember playing – did you guys – did your dad and you have games, one-on-one games in the backyard? <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. Okay. Um, I knew when I older, me and my brother would play some. But uh, – you know, I don't remember with me and my dad. And you're an older brother, so obviously you would never let him win, right? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> well, I got to think that if you're the younger brother of Chris Kramer, that I, I don't, that had to be pretty frustrating. Did did you just completely shut Matthew down, or did you did you ever let him get a couple buckets to get his head up, or or was it pretty cutthroat? No, you have to, you know, there's no holes bar. You're trying to bury anybody, you know. And, you know, I'm trying to, doesn't matter. I mean, I, you know, play with my brother, play with my friends. I'm trying to keep them on zero and, you know, talk as much trash as I can and, um, you know, let them know. Um, but the only bad thing is, you know, when you do talk all that trash and they do score, you know, a bucket on you, even if it is a lucky shot, you're going to hear about it for, um, you know, not just days, but weeks or months later. So I guess it comes with the territory. Now, were you competitive like that? Did you have that competitive fire as a youngster? Do you remember like any specific, you know, instances during a game or practice where maybe you were, 
you know, you were playing at level t- 10 and everybody else else is still like at level five in terms of intensity. <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, being from a small town and, you know, I was um, talented, you know, so um, depending on who I play, I had some other guys in my grade that were, you know, talented as well. But if we didn't, if I wasn't playing against any of those guys, um, you know, me at a... <laughs> 10 was like you know just out of control compared to these other people that can barely dribble and shoot and all these things so there was definitely some times where it had to be like hey chris you know hey settle down a little bit you know maybe (laughs) let them dribble or you know get a shot off you know but um you know that's just part of you know as a young age playing and kind of learning um and i think it was good um because you know you can't play full speed all the time you kind of have to navigate but you know definitely trying to play as much at 100 percent as possible well and i think i think that mentality certainly served you well in your career and we'll get into that a little bit kind of what made you um you know you while you were here with us at purdue and and made you such a popular player and the fact that you did play hard um a majority of the time you know overwhelming majority of the time that you were on the floor um, so at what age did you start to maybe uh, branch out a little bit, getting involved at the, in the, you know, at the AU level and start kind of getting out of your um, kind of your little zone in, in Huntington and, and maybe start seeing some competition from, uh, you know, bigger parts of the state and that kind of thing. Do you remember, do you remember those times at all? Um, I do. Um, you know, I think I was in, once I got into like middle school, um, you know, I was younger, we would have like, they would call like junior Vikes or little Vikes, um, with the high school team, they would get some young guys around and go and play in like a couple tournaments or something like that. But I don't really remember that, but I do like when I was in middle school and then, you know, going into high school is when I really got into AAU and, um, it's kind of where, you know, you kind of set yourself up and you see how you stack up against, um, other players um and you can be like oh you think i'm pretty you know you think you're pretty good then you go and you're like whoa <laughs> yeah yeah whoa huntington indiana is not the level that you know some of these other people are at you kind of get a little humble pie then you have to get back to work and you know try to figure out how to you know to get to the you know the level of those guys if you know you want to compete and you know because as you get older obviously you know scholarships and all of that stuff and i definitely wanted to play at the next level or so I, you know, had to get to work. Yeah. Well, you talk about, you know, the work you put in and figuring out kind of where you stand and that kind of thing. So at what do you remember when college coaches started kind of reaching out and how that, how that, you know, transpired? I'm assuming during your high school years, you know, do you remember the first time like college coaches were calling on you? Um, I want to say it was like in my – during my sophomore years when it kind of began, it was smaller schools um, like Ball State and schools like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my high school coach, new coach Painter. Um, and then I think that came into my junior, into my junior year. Um, but I went and visited, you know, Ohio State. I went and visited Indiana. Um had an offer from Iowa but really when Purdue offered and I went on my visit um it was it was a done deal at that point well I'll never forget uh coach I think he had come up to see you play a couple times and he came back and he was talking he had had a, a long conversation with your coach who as you mentioned they were their buddies um and your coach was like look he goes, I'm just telling you, he goes, paint some of the, you know, some of maybe every player has, you know, shortcomings or deficiencies. I mean, there's not a player that plays that, you know, doesn't need to work on something. And he said, Hey, he might have a couple shortcomings. He goes, but he will be the most competitive dude you've ever been around. I promise you. And he's going to make your practices unbelievable. And coach was like, Hey, that's, that's what we need. You know, we need that bad. We're trying to set a culture here and, um, I remember when you came on that visit. We, you, everybody met with you in the uh, used to be the old film room. It's now the the wooden club, top yeah. of the ramp there, 
And uh, it was a game day, right? We had a game that that day. Um, I remember I came my first. Uh... I think the time we offered you was a game day. Yeah, yeah. And coach yeah, brought you in. Yeah, and I yep. can't remember who he played, but uh, coach brought, take, took you in there, offered you a scholarship, and um, and I remember and I remember him as you know I don't go out on the road recruiting, so our listeners know. So a lot of these, you know, the information I get is from all the coaches that go out and see these guys in person. I I'm like our fans. I see some stuff on you know Twitter or the internet, things like that. Yeah. And uh, and I remember coach saying another another thing that he really liked about you was. He said, look, the guy's starting shortstop, quarterback, and point guard, you know, and he plays all three at a high level. Um, you know, before I kind of get back, dive back into the Purdue recruiting thing, what was it like to play all those three sports and basically have no no offseason? <laughs> you know, it was tough. Um, you know, I – Going into it, I knew I wanted to play basketball, but I knew that I was a very gifted football player. Mm-hmm. Baseball is definitely my, you know, my third sport. Um, you know, I don't know if, I mean, I was a gifted quarterback because I could just run and do all that stuff. I was more of a running quarterback. Um, but I would have been, you know, anywhere else I would have been a wide receiver or you know, something like that. But, you know, I had to play the position I did at the small school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had my success, but, um, you know, going from uh, football into basketball was tough. That transition was really tough. You had to really make sure you could get your work in um, to make sure you're at a level that you needed to be at, mm-hmm. um, you know, as being, you know, the best player on the basketball team. Um relied on the score and do a whole bunch of things to help your team win. Um, you know, you had to get to that level and get to that level quickly. Um, so when the games begin, you're ready to go. Um, and then I do know that, you know, transitioning to baseball, um, I had a great relationship with our coach. And um, as I got older and he knew that I had no desire of playing collegiate baseball or going anywhere else, you know, he would let me go to, um, a couple like big AAU tournaments um, when we had games, and um, you know I really appreciated that. He obviously didn't have to let me do that, um, but you know, yeah, like you know, I batted, led off, and um, you know played shortstop. <laughs> yeah, you did. But, you know, we were we were actually a, we were a pretty good baseball school, um, but some of the Fort Wayne schools were better than us. Um, but you know, it was successful. Um, high school career all around the board, you know, not as much team success as I would have liked. Um, but individually, you know, it was a, it was a good high school career. Well, when you, when you play those, you know, you play demanding sports and you do it for four years at a high level, um, you know, that is, that's a grind. I mean, was there ever a time when you thought, Hey, I think I'm only going to go with, you know, two sports this year. Was there ever any moments where you had to really sit back and think, you know, do I want to do this? As you were going through it, you know, I committed um, to Purdue going into my, you know, so when I was a junior, so going into my senior year, you know, I had to really like think, like, you know, it was a, it was a really tough decision. Do I want to keep playing football and put myself in a position to possibly get hurt? And then the same with baseball, and essentially, I just, you know, I kept playing, um, mainly because I didn't want to let. Um, my friends down I didn't want to let my teammates down yeah. um, and you know I didn't get hurt nothing you know bad happened you know thank the lord but um, you know that was a really tough decision that kind of weighed on me um, did you talk you to know, coach Peter about that at all um, I don't remember if I did or not honestly I don't remember okay I know that I know there's been there's been guys that have reached out in the past and he's always said, no play, you know, if you want to play, play mm-hmm. like the, he said, I like guys that play different sports and use different muscle groups. And, and, uh, I remember, I do remember him saying that you, he, you know, at the, at whatever point you had made a decision, like I'm going to play. And I remember him saying, that's a great sign like that. This, this guy's, you know, he wants to play for all the right reasons. He wants to, as you just mentioned, you know, it was good to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the, 
kind of the word that we got too was, look, you wanted to play for your teammates and your school and not to let those guys down. And those are kind of the pieces as you build a program, and we were in those days, those are the kind of pieces you look for when you're building it. So it's, uh, it was, it's, it's cool to hear you say those kind of things. Um, so back to the recruiting process at Purdue, you commit and then you start your senior year. And, uh, I remember coach, uh, came to see you a couple of times during your senior year and him just talking about how, how hard you played. And, you know, he was excited. Um, and, we're always, I think we're, as a, and I say this, we as a staff, we're always um, kind of intrigued and maybe humored by the fact of recruiting rankings and all those things. And Coach Painter is probably, he probably pays attention to recruiting rankings uh, as, as little as possible for a major college basketball coach. Mm-hmm. He's not interested in him very, in him very much. Um, and I remember early on, our fans were, were a little, uh, you know, scratching their head a little bit about, boy, we took this guy, like, does coach know what he's doing? Because you were one of coaches, basically, you know, one of the first guys that he had been here now and kind of starting to get established. And you're one of his first guys that he brought in. Um, and, and, you know, an Indiana guy right in our backyard. Did you ever hear any of those rumblings about, you know, Oh, this guy's only ranked this in the poll or in the recruiting rankings or anything mm-hmm. like that. Did that ever get to you? Um, you know, I got some of it, and you know, but I it comes with the territory. Sure, it does. You know, um, am I the most skilled player? No. Am I the most athletic player? No. Um, you know, and I heard I listened to um, a podcast uh, Coach Painter did. I don't know when it was. Um, and he said he talked to exactly the same thing about um, how he really doesn't pay attention um, to the rankings. You know, they're based on athleticism and, you know, feeling and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he looks for, you know, certain pieces, um, you know, that fit, you know, the puzzle to make, you know, Purdue win. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I knew what I could bring to the table. I just had to show it. And, you know, obviously I knew going into it, my role was going to be completely different than it was at Huntington, but I was ready for that challenge. And, um, you know, I'll never forget going in, you know, that first week, um, you know, Coach Painter just, you know, put the cards on the table and like, hey, this is, you know, the situation we're in. You might have to redshirt. <laughs> you know, this is a situation we're in. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely not. That's not, that's not going to happen. And then, you know, that's when coach Martin and, um, David T kind of took me under their wings and like, well, if you, if you're going to, if you're not going to retro then you have to be a lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when the grind started and, you know, I got to give a, you know, a bunch of credit to both, you know, coach Zoe and David T, um, for kind of lighting that fire and, you know, kind of showing me the path, um, you know, on how to be a successful defender. Do you remember that summer when you came and you guys, you know, the first days and weeks you were around a team, you mentioned what, you know, the coaches told you. Do you remember what things were like in the gym and the weight room? Um, you know, not really. Um, I do just remember, um, obviously, Carl was just a clown. <laughs> um, and then uh, – just like just David I remember during conditioning or like in the weight room whenever like you would get tired you would just hear teak to the league teak to the league teak to the league and you know (laughs) it's just like you would just you know he would motivate himself and um you know those two guys you know one you know obviously David's very serious um when it comes to the game of basketball and kind of lighten the mood a little bit but they definitely (laughs) it's a good way to put it you know uh you know carried us in different ways um leadership wise um they kind of set the tone um for the kind of year we were going to have and you know for just so our fans kind of remember back um you know the previous year was coach painter's first year and we were uh, we won nine games i believe and uh we were just trying to be competitive competitive in games um it was a long year and then uh you, you come aboard along with uh, Keaton Grant. And I, the reason I asked about that first summer is I remember, 
I vividly remember our uh, strength and conditioning coach, Greg Lehman, talking to the staff, and he was talking about each of the each each guy and kind of breaking them down like, okay, you know, here's what this guy needs, you know, because everybody's on a different plan. You know, some guys you got to get them big, some guys you got to slim them out, that kind of thing. And I remember when he got to you, he just said, I don't know if we've ever had a freshman walk through the door where all we had to do was maintain. He goes, he does not need to, we don't need to add any muscle to this guy. He's already lifting as much as just about anybody in the weight room. Um, you know, you, you physically came through the doors ready to go. Um, were you always bigger, you know, from a physical standpoint? Did you, were you always, you know, blessed with that body? Um, you know, I was a little bit of a string bean, I think, going into like my high school career. And then, you know, when I got in, you know, really got into football, you know, that was lifting weights all the time. And then as I, when I got into my sophomore, junior year, I would take weights um, all year long. Um, so, you know, I would just kind of do stuff, you know, every day. If it was a game day, I would, you know, just kind of sit there and not do anything, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> You know, I mean, I would just lift, and then in the summer I would, you know, have those workouts as well. And um, that's where my body really changed and, um, you know, definitely made sure I was ready. Because um, I think that was the biggest success for me in the weight room. Um, showed on the field, on the court, um, you know, where I didn't get catch any of those injuries because they were good about, you know, really working on everything with me. Um, so no matter what sport I was playing, I was ready to go and um, limiting, you know, any possible injury I could. Well, I remember, so kind of going back to wh- where we were as a program at that point, um, you know, do you remember as the, as the year got closer and then there was, there was some excitement, I think, because Carl was coming off of his redshirt year where he rehabbed mm-hmm. for his ACL. Uh, David was as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think David they were both, was out. The, they yeah. were both out. So we we get David Teague and Carl Landry back, who you've just talked about. Um, so we've got some good skilled seniors, um, and then we have a young young backcourt um, with you and, and Keaton. Um, so there's a little bit. There was some optimism to start the year. I think people were pretty excited. They thought we. I don't know if anybody really had any expectations of what we could do, but right away I do remember when we the first trip we had, we had a couple home games and then we flew out to Maui for that Maui Invitational. And so your third game, third game of your college career, we're playing 23rd ranked Georgia Tech out in Maui. Do you remember the start of that season and, and that trip in particular? Um, you know, I do remember that. I remember, um, you know, actually getting hurt. Uh, I tore my PCL. Um, that game, I think at the end of the Georgia Tech game, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. Um, but I remember, yeah, Jarvis Crittenden and uh, <laughs> they had like four pros on that. Team. Yeah, they were they were good, <clears throat> man. They were good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like at that point, we were just trying to, you know, see the pieces we had, how to put it together. Um, and you know, we were competitive, um, but I think. You know, it takes a little bit when you get, you know, obviously Keaton and I were new um, adjusting to the college game from high school. And then, you know, David and Carl getting their legs back after, you know, rehabbing and everything kind of right. getting back in that game rhythm. Yeah. Um, it's tough at the beginning. Um, and, you know, so we we took our bruises, but, you know, we beat some people we weren't supposed to and. Uh, maybe surprise some people and then I think we won a game actually to get into the NCAA tournament we beat Iowa I believe in the Big Ten tournament yep yep and then yeah we go we play Arizona and the we beat Arizona then we play the um, eventual national champions in Florida yeah um, and lose by seven or whatever yep, seven in a, in a really good game really good game had a really good chance to beat those guys I just remember that year you know, I, I I remember in Maui we lose the first game to Georgia Tech, but we were I think we were more competitive than what people thought, and yeah. we had so you know we we hung with those guys for thirty minutes, and I think we'd start to turn some heads, and then we come back the next day and beat Oklahoma, who was a good team. Uh, yeah. I know Carl played really well that game, 
and then we we played to Paul, and we had the first. It was the first game of the final day of Maui, and it was like a nine o'clock, nine a.m. tip, local time. And you got to get up, and you've played two games the previous two days. And I'll never forget, Coach Painter was just like, "Hey, this is just about who's ready to go, you know, who's ready to go right at nine o'clock." And we beat a DePaul team. I know. I remember Terrence Crump had a really good game. But we get back to the hotel, and we have a two. You know, we're four and one. We had a two and one trip to Maui. I mean, we sat around that pool and went on the beach like we'd won the thing. I mean, we were so excited, you know, to have those wins under our belt. And when we came back and beat a, a ranked Virginia team in the uh, in the ACC Challenge, Terrence Crump mm-hmm. hit a buzzer beater. Um, beat Missouri at home that year, but uh, but had a good non-conference schedule. And then, as you said, we get in the Big Ten play, and obviously everything's elevated a little bit. Ohio State was the class of the league with uh, Conley mm-hmm. and Odin. Um, and, yeah, we, it really comes down to um, trying to win on the road, which we hadn't done very well at all, and then we break through and win our last two uh, – or two road games down the stretch at Penn State and at Northwestern. And I remember just getting that monkey off our back. Like, we finally we finally got a couple road wins, and then the game you referenced up in Chicago would beat Iowa in that 4-5 game in the Big Ten tournament and allowed us to pretty much lock up the NCAA bid. Do you remember being at Coach's house when our name was announced at the select- during the selection show and just what a good feeling that was? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this was my first year. Um, you know, obviously from everything people were talking, like, you know, we're in for sure, we're in. And I want to say it was the last bracket. Um it might have been the first. We were the eight. The I first, thought it was the first remember. bracket. That was the first one. I think that was another year we were the last one. Okay. Well, the first. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then you know you hear your name and it's like a sigh of relief, like yeah. everything we worked to, <laughs> yeah. we're good. And then you look and you're like, oh shit, we played, we played Arizona. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, but no, that was an amazing feeling. Um, it really was well on the and the thing i think people remember from the arizona game is you hitting the shot from your knees and you probably <laughs> still get that that probably still comes up from time to time doesn't it yeah i mean you know people always are you know if some something crazy happens or um i get it where you know their son or daughter's playing um ymca basketball or something the ball rolls on the ground and they get it and they shoot it and there's they a picture of it 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 automatically goes to me yeah. Um, hey, look what my son or daughter did. You know, it's just funny. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just glad I guess I made it you know, at that point. But, well, it was a very uh, heady play. I mean, shot clock was running down, and you had the sense to, you know, get on the ball, and then, hey, I got to do something with it. And uh, it was one of those one of those really cool, cool tournament, you know, moments. I think it being in the tournament was obviously magnified. But, uh, yeah. So that first year, you know, you you get you come in, you know, you guys could get us established and get us back to, you know, the NCAA and and then the following year, um, little you know, program is building some momentum. You know, we got a we got a good recruiting class coming in uh, with four guys that uh, are all you know highly with uh, a lot of accolades and highly ranked, and they're and and uh, did you get a sense that you know of the tide that was coming? As you were going through it, <laughs> you know I'll never forget. Uh, it was towards we we're in the Big Ten season, um, and Coach Martin had his way of you know motivating you. Um, no, no, no. Take that back. It was in the summer before um, they came on campus, mm-hmm. and he was Coach Martin. I'd be like, "Do you guys?" Do you know who's coming through those doors? Do you guys know who's coming? Like, if you're going to play like this, you're not even going to see the floor. Just go home now. And, oh, it was just like, you know, he would just light that fire under you um, in a way that, you know, he is very special in that. Um, But, I, you know, coming in, I was like, you know, we have Etuan Moore. I played against Etuan. I played against Travis. I played against Scott. I don't think I played against Jawan. Um in AAU, but, you know, I knew that, you know, they were, they were big time. And I knew that if we could build on the success we had from my freshman year, um, you know, building around, you know, these four guys as our core nucleus, nucleus, um, you know, we were going to have success. Maybe it might take us a little bit, 
Um, but once they got adjusted and they figured it out, you know, we were going to be really tough to beat. Well, and, and that year, you know, the non-conference was, was up and down. I mean, that's the year, you know, we were we went out to the tournament in Las Vegas. Wofford beats us. Uh, just made that a <laughs> an awful trip, uh, to be completely honest. Yeah, um, I remember we, we lose to Wofford. We go to Vegas. We have a game the next day, I think, and we're literally doing charge drills. They're throwing the ball, you know, where it's three around one, one guy in the paint. you got to step outside the paint and take a charge. And if you don't hit somebody hard enough, Coach Painter just, just ripping you. I mean, you know, <laughs> Robbie Hummel's in the middle of the paint. I catch the ball, and I'm just truck-sticking him and just, you know, <laughs> knocking him back ten feet. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, but, you know, I think that might have been, you know, that like, kind of wake-up call of like, oh, like if we don't bring it, you know, this can happen on any given night. And, you know, that was definitely not a trip that, you know, we want to remember. But, uh, you know, it might have been a meaningful <laughs> one kind of in the. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those things that, you know, and I, it was not fun to go through. and But in hindsight, it probably, you know, taught us a lot and probably got us on track in, in a lot of ways in terms of what where we needed to get. We didn't probably realize it at the time, but that's what uh, – you know, probably what we needed at that point. Um, and, you know, no, no fun to go through, though, for sure. But, you know, we get to – we start the Big Ten season. We go one – we start one and one, and then we rattle off a bunch in a row and ended up finishing, you know, in second place in the Big Ten and a really good chance to win it. And if if uh, Brian Butch doesn't bank in a shot in Bloomington for Wisconsin, you know, we'd be co-Big Ten champ. Yeah. It's when the, the baby boilers were born. That's right. What did you What did you think of that nickname? You know, I mean, we were, I mean, we were really young. Um, you know, we, you know, Robbie, Chuan, Juwan, um, and Scott. They, you know, didn't have any. They didn't really didn't know what to expect. They just wanted to. They just wanted to hoop, and you know, they were obviously really good at it. Um, you know, Coach Painter put, you know, us as a team in great positions. Um, as players, we knew we needed to get them the ball in positions where they could score, and we would be successful because we were, you know, really tough to score on um, defensively. So if we didn't turn it over, took good shots, we were going to be tough to beat. Um, so, you know, it just kind of, you know, we were young, we didn't know what to expect, and you know, the nickname was kind of fitting, and you know, we kind of just embraced it. Talk about like you know, the campus and really Mackey started, I think that was the start of when Mackey kind of took off to another level. You know, Mackey's always been great. Um, but I think you guys um, really, really took it up a notch. I remember when we beat Wisconsin here and the students storming the floor. You know, I remember when then we turned around and won up at Wisconsin in the middle of the season. We came home to the airport and the you know Saturday night around twelve thirty, and the airport just being packed with students, you know did you did you is it something did you realize it go in the middle of it or is it something where you've realized it looking back on it just kind of how you guys were transforming campus and the you know the kind of the attitude around the program. You know my my freshman year, Namaki was great. Don't get me wrong, but from that first year to that second year. Um, it took, it was definitely a whole nother level. And then I think going from the sophomore to a junior, it even went up again. Um, obviously the buzz around Robbie, Jawani, Tuan and Scott definitely helped build that. Um, but then just the success that we were, we were having, um, you know, winning those games in the big 10, the way that we started, um, you know, it was Mackey's when it's rocking is like no other place to me. Um, I know I'm a little biased, but um, yeah, I mean, it just took us as a team to a whole other level, made it just so much harder for opposing teams to play against us. Um, yeah, it was, it was magical. We could definitely feel that um, the buzz around campus, just how excited everybody was. Um, Cause I think we did even have a Mackie madness one. I think that was my sophomore. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I didn't know what year it was, uh, but I remember that. 
Um, and, but yeah, you could definitely feel the buzz around campus. However, how excited everybody was, um, you know, not to throw the football team underneath the bus, but I remember just being at, uh, at football games or something in a halftime. They're like, well, four more weeks until basketball season. And they're just like, yeah, it's, it's happening. Like, you know, we're transitioning into, you know, this, um, basketball school i guess is you know when you know when katie when coach katie had it rolling um you know we were transitioning back after a couple of um down years and just getting you know that excitement back um it was a great thing yeah and i I think that yeah i mean absolutely i think that's when when you know you guys that sophomore year years when you know we're a game away from winning the big 10 and then your junior year you know we win the league or the win that we win the Big Ten tournament down in Indianapolis, um, you know those are the kind of yeah competing for Big Ten titles. I mean it's kind of where everybody feels this program you know belongs. Um, any individual games over your career that stand out that you know come to mind when you like think back on these years with us? Um, obviously the game against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. Um, our game against West Virginia, um, on New Year's day. Yeah. They had that on, uh, the big 10 network. They've played that over the last, you know, a couple months. They've played that a couple times. And every time that's on there, I hear, or I see people tweeting about that and, and commenting about that on social media. And certainly one of the loudest times I've ever heard Mackey was that game. That was an incredible, incredible atmosphere. Yeah. That atmosphere was second to none. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, yeah, that was that was crazy. Um, There's a couple of games that I remember of you, like individually. I remember we went to Alabama, mm-hmm. and that was when who who was named Heisman Trophy winner? Was that Ingram? Yeah. So there. So it's the day they're announcing. It's a Saturday. They're announcing the Heisman Trophy winner, and every the odds-on favorite is Alabama's Mark Ingram to win it. And we're back in the locker room and coaches finalizing the pre, you know, wrapping up the pregame speech and they're playing the Heisman ceremony on the boards out there. And all of a sudden you hear this gigantic roar and their guy just wins the Heisman. And we knew, we kind of knew it was coming, but man, it gave that crowd a shot of energy. And we come out in that first half and played terrible. And we were awful. And we go into the locker room. I don't know what we were down, 14 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we come out in the second half. And I remember in the first half, Bird kept us in that game. He hit a couple threes. Mm -hmm. And he was a young dude. But, he, he, boy, he he made some shots. And we hung around. We we felt like, man, this could be worse. We should be down 20. Mm -hmm. And then we come out in the second half and start chipping away. And I just remember it got to the point where they clearly got tight at the end. You know, it's one of those things when you've had a lead and all of a sudden you're like hanging on and you're playing not to lose. That's the way Alabama played at the end. And that fed right into you because you got up in this ball handler a couple times. And to this day, we'll show that clip to guys when we talk about on-ball defense. You were making guys crumble, like literally crumble on the floor. A guy was trying to bring it up on you, and I remember he tried to cross you, and he just ended up falling down. You just took his ball and went down and laid it in. And, of course, that's like a adrenaline shot to us. You know, we're, our, our bench is now going crazy. We're smelling blood in the water. And you, you just you closed that game out for us. It was like, hey, this was anybody's game, and you made sure that we got it. That one always stands out to me, that, that trip down to Alabama. Yeah, that one was – I remember that one. Um, obviously, the officiating, the way that the game was officiated at that point obviously played into my favor. Yeah. Because yeah. I could just kind of, you know, hand-check guys and kind of push them <laughs> in positions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, definitely – you know, you definitely feel that. You definitely smell that blood in the water when they're they're shook. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're looking around, somebody come and take this ball from me, please. Or, you know, they are just crossing over. They don't know what they're doing. Or they pick it up and put the ball over their head. Or, you know, you smell that. And, um, you know, I thrived on that. Um, you know, because as a defender, the best thing you want to do is just straight up take the ball from them. 
Yeah. You know, they put it over their head, you rip it away from them, you go the other way, you get two points. You punk them and your you know, your bench is rolling, everyone on your team is feeling good, you got an easy bucket, you maybe things were going um not going well for you at the time. You know, all you know, a little feel good, you know, offensively can go a long way and you know, something like that is deflating for, you know, the opposing team and then, you know, just for us it just you know, we just really, you know, lock in and we're gonna you know we're gonna try to do it again and uh yeah that was a that was a fun game i, I do remember that one and i think a lot um, of i think a lot of people would remember your play to get us through the sweet 16 and beat texas a&m um and you know and advance us you know we were in spokane uh in the second round of the ncaa tournament tie game you get the ball on the top of the key you make a move go down lay it in they shoot a desperation shot you know, it doesn't go in. We advance. What What are your thoughts about that play? Because that's one of the ones that comes up a bunch as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought I had a favorable matchup. I mean, obviously, I was the last person on the floor that anybody thought was going to, you know, go. Um, you know, we had each one coming off of a tight curl from Jawan on the right side. And, um, you know, I had the ball in my right hand just kind of you know, looked that way. My defender looked, I crossed over and it was just kind of wide open. I just had to finish and, you know, had a reverse layup, uh, you know, to put us ahead. And then, you know, like you said, they missed that desperation shot. Um, you know, I'm just glad I made it. Cause, uh, had I missed, I don't know what it would have looked, looked like from coach Painter. That was uh, that was a great moment, and we went to the Sweet 16 uh, in Houston uh, that year. Um, so I want to get into before we before we get to your Final Four, which is how we wrap up every uh, every podcast here with four kind of random questions. So you finish up with Purdue. You you uh, are to this day you're still a professional ba- or you're a professional basketball player. Talk us through your you know your time right after Purdue and. Uh, where you've played and and uh, some of your stops uh, professionally because you've had a very very successful professional career yeah so you know after um purdue uh you know i went to indianapolis and um started training at st vincent um under ed Schilling at that point um went to all of these uh, nba pre-draft um workouts uh, went to summer league, ended up going or signing a camp deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I ended up being like the last guard cut for the Milwaukee Bucks. Scott Skiles brought me in when he cut me and said, Chris, I really want to keep you. But, you know, at that point they signed Darrington Hobson, um, who was a rookie as well. Um, but he had to get um, double hip surgery. Um, so they had 14, 15, 14 or 15 um, full contracts. I don't remember the number that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so they you know, just couldn't keep me. Um, so from there, I just went to the G League. Um, and, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to give this one year. Let's see kind of what can – if I can make this happen. Um, I ended up getting hurt. Um, they had the stickers on the court. I stepped on a sticker and ended up um, messing up my MCL. Um, so I was out for, you know, eight, 10 weeks, came back, started playing well, but I was just out of shape. Um, went into the summer, um, went to a mini camp with the Chicago Bulls, played maybe the best basketball of my career at that point, shooting it well, just playing really at a, at a high level, um, thinking something good is going to happen, you know, NBA wise. And then the NBA goes into a lockout. Mm. Um, so I just go overseas, you know, I spent my first, went to Germany, um, in the first league in Germany, um, had a successful year there and then moved up to a better team. I spent five years, um, on that next team in Germany. And what team, Uh, what what city was that in the one you were with for five years? Um, in Oldenburg up in Northern Germany. And how, how, how did you like it over there? Yeah. I mean, Germany is pretty much obviously besides the language is like being here in the United States in my opinion. And, and the town, how big was the town? Uh, it was small. It was like a little 
village. It was like Huntington. It was some. Did you did you think that at the time when like when you were there? Did you feel like man this? Aside from some obvious differences, did it did it have a Huntington feel? Um, a little bit, a little bit. You know, just being that that small town. Um, you know, they love basketball, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but being German, they also love you know soccer, football. I guess. Yeah. Um, so you know, obviously you have that. Um, you're competing with you know soccer to bring fans and all that kind of stuff and sponsorship. Um, but you know, it was a great time. Did, I mean, and did they get know, good crowds? Good crowds at you the know, home. We had, you know, they built a new arena about sixty five hundred. Oh wow! Um, and we would sell that. We would sell that out. Nice most days. So you know, it wasn't Mackey Arena, <laughs> but um, you know, it was still you know for overseas, it was a good, it was a good crowd. That's cool. And so, uh, in your travels when you were on that team, how far did you get? What you know, what were some of the you were playing other German teams, and did you guys do any uh, any other games against other European teams? Yeah, so, you know, we played in the German, we played all of those teams, and then we played in the Euro Cup, so we traveled. I mean, we played in Spain and Turkey and Italy, um, Russia, um, you name it, in Europe, I probably – been yeah. to the country i mean little ones like you know i've been to belarus i've been to hungary um i've been to romania uh, do you have any any spot any stops that you've made in in europe even if it was in for a game where you're like any cities that really stood out to you that you're like man i could i could live here the rest of my life um any favorites my wife and i we really love london and we and we love rome those are like two of our favorite. Yeah. Um, there's some that we haven't been to like to visit, to really get the feel like, you know, I've, you know, Barcelona or Madrid, um, you know, never got to go and like explore, mm-hmm. um, or Athens or, you know, any of those cities in Greece, like, you know, Mykonos or Santorini, some of those popular ones that people love to go to for vacations. Gotcha. So you're there for five years in the in the in uh, the one city, and then and then the next stop after that. So from there, um, you know, it just got to a point where, you know, financially, I kind of grew out of what they were able to pay, mm-hmm. um, and I, I wanted more. I wanted um, a club that had more tradition, that had um, more just recognition with the name like if i go and i play well here it's going to mean something around europe yeah you know yeah. where in germany um for my old club like if i played well they're like eh, yeah okay you had a triple double that's great but you played for oldberg yeah. you know like it is what it is um so then you know we went to lithuania where basketball is basically a religion i played for um Litvis reaches which is now um reaches vilnius um, in the capital there and had two, two great years. Um, we lost in the finals both times, but the second year we won the Lithuanian cup, which we were not supposed to do. Um, I played <laughs> unbelievable, um, in that cup, it was something I'll never forget. Um, and then from there, that second year actually is when I tore my ACL, um, in Lithuania, I'm um, playing in, in Spain. I told my ACL and we were on the road. And, uh, so I just came back home and rehab from there. And then the coach, my first year in Lithuania is was my head coach now in Russia. Um, oh, wow. so I'm glad I had a great relationship with him and was able to move there, um, and play in the Euro league, which is the highest league in Europe. Um, and what city in so, Russia? In, uh, I lived in Moscow, but our team was in Kimki, which is basically like a suburb of. Gotcha. Like on the outskirts, yeah. And did you like it in over there in Russia? Uh, it was different. Um, you know, we had a driver, um, so that was just getting used to that in itself was um, was difficult. Yeah. Um, being used to to hopping in the car and going wherever we needed to go to get whatever we needed to get. Um, it's so much easier, especially with a child. Yeah. Um, but you know, we made it work and, um, our driver, you know, was great. He was, 
um, he worked with us and, you know, just made sure that everything we needed, you know, we were able to get. So, you know, it was a great experience. Um, basketball wise, it was a little bit different. Um, I mean, I was playing on my team was Alexis Fed, who played in the NBA, Jonas mm-hmm. Jurepko, Timothy Mozgov. <laughs> yeah. Um, Darius Bertens, who played in the NBA a little bit with each one in New Orleans. Um, and then just some other like really great players. So um, it was just a different experience of what I'm used to. Um, I would just bring the ball up, kind of pass it, go stand in the corner. And if I got the ball again, great. If not, <laughs> you know, it just kind of, there'd be games where um, I play really well. And the next game, it's like, you know, individually, you're like, oh, I'm going to build off of this. I'm going to keep playing at a high level. And then the ball doesn't come to you. And you just kind of, so it was, it was hard to find some consistency, but, you know, it was great playing against all of these great clubs and great players in Europe. Um, so it was a whole lot of fun. Well, you talked about your family, so tell us uh, tell us your family situation. So, yeah, married, um, so coming up on four years in July. That's good. You know you know how long, you know the, you know the date. If, as long as you got those things covered, you're in good shape. Yeah, I'm good, man. There I'm you good. go. <laughs> you know, uh, our daughter Sophie is two, um, and she keeps us busy. Um, I see lots you know, of her on your social media, and yeah, she's yeah, a, she's, she's adorable. Wild. Wow, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, but don't let it fool you. She is, she is, is rotten as she is. <laughs> but uh, no, it's great, man. Uh, you know, well, that's all. To soak up this time right now that we have. Obviously, right now we normally still be overseas, and I'd be having games and traveling and all of that. And so we're back and just, you know, enjoying the time, the extra time that we have uh, together as a family. Yeah. So again, as we, as I referenced at the beginning, you know, taping this during the the COVID pandemic, and life's a little different for everybody. But uh, I would agree that this time. Um, has been good to connect with, especially if you have children in the house. It's been really good to kind of reconnect with them. And those of us who are in the around the game, uh, it takes a lot of time away from the house. And uh, so it's been that's been a pleasant uh, byproduct of this is to be able to spend a little extra time with your kids. Um, so when this is all done, and and if if boy if we could knock on wood, if we could get back to normal sooner than later, plans are to head back to the, with this team, or are, are you, is that something that's still up in the air in terms of down the road? Um, so they, so I signed a two-year deal, okay. um, and they have the option. So, okay. you know, basically the ball's in their court. Um, you know, I had the deadline for them to let me know if they're going to bring me back or not is in June. Um, so, you know, if they bring me back, great if not you know i have to find you know the best situation for basketball wise financially and then you know for my family too i want to put them in a safe and uh you know clean environment sure you know a good city hopefully sure Um, so you know all of those factors you know but you know that's something we'll navigate when the time comes but well but bottom bottom line you want to keep playing right yeah i'm gonna play Hopefully, before this ACL, I would have said I could have played for another five, six years. But now, uh, I'm not too sure. So if I can get another two to three years in, then we'll we'll take it, um, you know, a year by year after that. But, gotcha. You know, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Sure. The plan is to go back for sure. That's awesome. Well, good. Well, I want to get to our final four questions here, Chris. We'll wrap up with uh, with this. These are four uh, kind of off-the-beaten-path questions that we ask all of our guests. And the uh, first question for you is, what is your go-to music of choice? Uh, genre? Yeah. Or if you have a, uh, a particular artist you're really you're really high on, either one. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a country guy. I listen to country. I know that's probably not something you like. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I'm a country guy. I'm an old school country guy, so I don't. I can't tell you. I know the the newer guys. I know their names. I don't. I couldn't tell you what any of them sing. Do you have anybody in particular you really like? Um, I like Thomas Rowe. Um, that's probably my my main one. 
I am I am jealous of those country music fans that those in the summer when all those shows come around, I'm like, man, they have a lot of shows they can go to. Yeah. <laughs> and that is I am very jealous of that. So that's uh that's something that the country music, the modern day country music fans really have going for them, which is cool. For sure. Uh, question two here on the final floor is what is your favorite all-time book or maybe a good book you've recently read? Um, you know, I would have to say um, The Upset, the Tyler Trent book. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. You know, that is uh, obviously – Purdue, I would say it's, you know, close to my heart. It's something, you know, that story that I followed mm-hmm. um, through social media from abroad and um, just the strength and uh, the fight that he'd shown, you know, as he or showed as he was battling this and um, trying to do so much good, um, you know, through this. It was just it was it was very touching. Very it's, admirable. That's really that's really cool to hear you say that, and and I think, um, you know, he inspired so many people. I mean, you know, when the things that he did, and then when he when he passed, how many uh, national figures commented on him, and how ins- how he inspired so many. And then when you're a Purdue person, um, it meant so much. I mean, it was like he was ours. You know, he was one of us, mm-hmm. and uh, it it meant that much more. Um, that's really cool to hear you say that. Uh, and so that was something you w- did. You get the book and have somebody sent it to you overseas. Did you wait till you got home to get a copy? Um, I remember it was coming out, and then I actually, when I tore my ACL, I came. We came back home. Gotcha. So, um, I got it. I want to say, like, pretty soon after they um, were shipped. Mm-hmm. You know, we got home shortly after that. Um, so, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, you know, as soon as it came out, I knew I had to get a copy. That's cool. Um, That's awesome. Uh, okay. Question three here on the final four. What is, uh, if you could wave a wand and do any other profession to starting tomorrow, other than being a professional basketball player, what would it be? That's a tough one. Um, I think, you know, I would love to be a coach. Um, but the time spent, I think, is even more than the time away that I have already. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I could have the same schedule but, like, not put in the time that, like, <laughs> Coach Painter has to do, um, I would do that. Because, um, obviously, I love the game of basketball. It's given me so much. I would love to, um, you know, share that with um, – any age, you know, but just to help people reach their dreams and their aspirations and their full potential. Um, that's definitely what I would love to do. But that time, yeah, the time of being a coach, especially, you know, a college or uh, professional coaches, definitely. You know, it's interesting. Well, when you say that, I've, that's a very common um, thought process because I know in talking to a lot of former players in particular of ours, you know, when they talk about, when they consider the coaching part of it, um, it's pretty, it's, I don't know, it's maybe not unanimous, but it, there is an overwhelming majority of guys who feel that they would love to teach the game, uh, work with young guys, you know, all that part. And, and you know, how it is when you're in a locker room and part of a team, it's just, it's just cool. I mean, I don't, it's just a special thing as you go through a, a journey every year with a group of, uh, a group of other men, it's just a, uh, it's undescribable, but, and that part of it, I think appeals to everybody. And then uh, the, the always the, the part that people are like, eh, it's like, I don't know if I want to be on the phone each and every night with recruiting and, and all the time, you know, most of the time that's spent in the off season and even in season to be that, to, for that matter of fact, is, uh, is, the, is the recruiting piece. And that takes up mm-hmm. so much time. And that's, that's time that we wouldn't be doing like what we're doing now and spending with family. So. A very your your sentiments are are very common among people when it comes to coaching. Okay, final question here on the final four with Chris Kramer, and what is something that either no one or very few people know about you? 
<laughs> no little known <laughs> no little known fact. No. Off the top of my head, man, I got nothing. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm trying to think of something if there's something out there that uh is little known. I mean, we talked about some of the stuff you did in high school as you were very, you know, the quarterback, shortstop, point guard is not many guys have been able to do that for four years at a high school. Um, your dad being a referee, that would have been a good one too. Yeah. But I think that we already, I don't know we already if, let that I don't cat out of the bag. Those days are over. Now. I don't know. <laughs> Double knee replacement. I don't know if he's going to be able to blow that whistle anymore. Well, there, well, now let me ask you this: Will there be coaches that are happy about that, or is he a good ref? Um, like, have you seen him think, in action? I think he's a good ref. I think he's a good ref. I think he's yeah. I'd say he's uh, a little different than my mom. I would say, uh, <laughs> you know, temperament wise, when it comes to the game of basketball. Well, so. your mom and I think I think our 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 diehard fans who would listen to this. Uh, probably know a little bit about your mother and the fact that she, uh, a referees, I think it would be fair to say that referees um, had her attention from time to time when you played. <laughs> did that, what, what were your thoughts on that? Like, did you, did that ever, is that something where you learned early just to like, uh, that's just mom and, and play? Or did that ever like seep into your thoughts when you were in the middle of a game? It's something I learned. You know, just to you know, to block out. There'd be times where you couldn't. Yeah. And I mean, take it back to like high school, and you know, and obviously I knew exactly where she was sitting, and I just I look at her, and I stare at her, and she looks at me, and I'm like, shut up, <laughs> like stop, <laughs> stop right now. Uh, and I mean, the same would happen in college too. Um, it's like enough. Like, you know, you're not helping the situation here by any means. They don't care what you what you're yelling about. Just just stop. Well, I'll you know, and, I'll never forget this. So your senior year, um, there was about it was in the, the you were coming down the stretch of your senior year, and we had let's say there was three or four games to go. And you know how it is with Big Ten officials. You know, they rotate them around. So you're going to – you may see a guy your third to last game, and that may be the last time you see him during the year. We had a couple guys come to Mackey, and during a dead ball, they were over by the bench, and they, they and they went up to coach. And this, this happened with at least two guys, and it might have been a third, where they went up to coach at a timeout and said, hey, uh, Pink, hey uh, – I'm really going to miss Chris Kramer. Like that dude has has been a real pleasure to watch over the last four years. He plays the game the right way, plays hard, super competitive, very respectful of us. Just a seems like a great kid. We're we're really going to miss him. He's been actually really fun to watch over the years. Now that being said, we are not going to miss his mom sitting in the stands and giving us the business every time we go up and down the floor. And I remember two guys in particular, including a high profile guy, say that. Uh, it might have been more than that, but that's something that to this day, we'll, when we're telling stories of uh, guys back in the day, that story comes up from time to time with some of those. Oh, that, it doesn't surprise me. If I was him, I would have said the exact same thing. But really cool too. I mean, it's cool. You know, it's a funny. It's a funny part about your mom because she did. She did ride to the officials, um, as a yeah. lot of parents do. She was probably just yeah. a little more vocal than others. Um, but also cool that the respect that you had. And I think, you know, as we wrap up here, I wanted to, you know, make sure we emphasize that the way you played, I think, made an impact on so many people. Um, and to this day, you still get a lot of comparisons like, well, does he play as hard as Chris Kramer? You know, that that comes up a lot. And there's a guy there's some guys that, you know, as as I look back on the 20, you know, going on 20 years, I've been here and the 15 years with Coach Painter. Um, you know, you can you start making lists. You know, guys that played hard, and and every time we get we start that list of guys who play hard, you know, it starts with your name, um, and uh, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good uh, memory to leave in people's minds when they think about back when you played. You know, really, 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 really good on ball defender, defensive stud, but just the intensity and the and the how hard you competed um, is a big part of your legacy. You know, I, first of all, I appreciate it. But, you know, I think, you know, like I said before, you know, going into it, I knew my role was going to be completely different. And, you know, 
the one thing that Coach Painter always talked about was sacrifice, and I knew, um, you know, obviously everybody had to sacrifice. Each one had to sacrifice a little bit. Robbie, Jawan, you know, down the line. Um, but you know, I knew what I had to do. Um, so I would sacrifice all of those things because I didn't care if I scored four points, if I scored 24 right. points, right. If Purdue won, you know, I'm good, you know, cause I mean, you know, if I say I scored 24 points and we lose, you know, am I going to feel good that I scored 24 points? This isn't, you know, I'm not playing golf, you know, it's about, it's about our team. And, you know, when we win as a team, it's going to make all of us individually look better. And, you know, I embrace that. Um, and one thing I definitely wanted to be known for is being a winner, just going out there and playing hard and leaving it all out on the floor. So, well, you certainly did that. And we, uh, we appreciate you taking time to join us here today and, um, good luck, uh, down the road when we get back to normal here, hopefully you're, uh, you're back on the court soon and, uh, playing the game that you love. So thanks for taking time to join us today, Chris. No, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. That was episode 67 here on the podcast with Chris Kramer. I want to thank everybody for listening. Until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. Mm-hmm.